Welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast, episode 13. <laughs> Unlucky for some. Yeah, this is our first episode after our little mini break. Yeah, we took the summer off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're saying. Yeah, we were holidaying yeah. in the Hamptons. Yeah, it was actually the exact opposite though, really, wasn't it? It was actually that we were both just working, working, working too ourselves. much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Uh, lots and lots. Um, yeah. What, did I, what have I been up to? I uh, did the Mochi conference, Mochi London conference oh, last yeah. week. How was that? Which was loads and loads of fun. It was awesome. Mm. Um, it's good because it was a meetup of, it was a very focused kind of free conference, just focused on on Flash gaming and yeah. we, other, well, web gaming in general. But, sure. you know, that tends to be Flash in the real world. Of course. And uh, it was really cool because it was just like to meet like, like-minded people, etc. was mm. the kind of why it was good, really. And I gave a, a new talk there. And any, what were the... Um... What were the star performances? Who won the conference? Oh, probably this guy Stuart. I forget his surname, but he developed a game called Gravity Wars. Okay. And he gave a kind of a really interesting post-mortem about kind of how he made his game, why it was so successful. Yes, Gravity was two E's okay. by Funky Pear. Yeah, I recognise that name. I think I might have seen that. Yeah, it's a great, it's a really great game. And um, it did very well on Congregate and he kind of revealed the secret to his success. Okay, which is what? Etc. Um, basically, it's just a lot of time, attention to detail, polish. Yeah. I mean, he put like months and months into it. Yeah. Um, he went for the kind of strategy of spend a long time and make one super hit game. Yeah, Stuart Allen, funkypair.com. So. Okay. Yeah, that was excellent. And um, yeah, I mean, that was me. And you've done some conferences as well, haven't you? I don't know. How long's it been? It's been a little while, hasn't it? I've done some stuff. Oh, like well, if you remember. go in reverse order, you'll probably remember. Reverse order. <laughs> well, I just feel like I've been really, really working hard on this project that I'm going to unveil at Flash on the Beach next week. So maybe we can talk a bit about that. Sure. But let me just have a look. I mean, yesterday was the update conference, right? Did you hear about any of that stuff? Yep. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it was so just a one day one? Yeah, just, just one day on. There's a load of workshops today and tomorrow as well. Right. But it was, yeah, it was really good. It was at the Dome, like lots of variety of different speakers, people like Jeremy Keith, uh, you know, famous JavaScript guy and Anna Debenham, who's super young and is doing talks about the state of uh, computer literacy in education, which is both um, interesting and also scary, you know. Yeah, which is, well, yeah, diabolically bad in this country, at least. Yeah, yeah. So she's kind of highlighting that, which is really cool. Um, and she's super, super nice as well. Um, and people like Sarah Parmenter who's user experience and there was a, a couple of like ios developers it was quite funny actually because um matt gemmel he does he did a talk about user experience but instead of like doing best practices he pretended to be his evil twin and was just saying all the things right. that you should do to to annoy people <laughs> <laughs> which was amusing what, what kinds of things you know just things like well everything that you'd consider like good ux just do the opposite like um right, right. don't localize anything like put as much as you can on the screen all at once you know <laughs> just just basically it was quite fun it was just fun because those ux sessions can generally just sound a bit like arrogant you know do this do that you mm. know so it was quite funny that he took the opposite route and it made it sort of irreverent and amusing and uh, yeah so that worked really well it was good 
there was a good conference overall. And uh, there was like a banquet at the Royal Pavilion the night before, which was really special right. too. I've, I mean, I've been in there, but I've never eaten in there. So that was cool. Um, then on Friday... Did you dress before, up? I, I dressed up a little bit, but I didn't wear, you know, Regency outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, he didn't I, have I put, a powdered wig. I put my good suit on, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's about as far as it went. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, the Brighton Digital Festival has started now, so that started officially last week. And one of the first things, if not the first thing, was deconstruct. Um, you know, which is Clear Left's conference they do every year at the Dome. Yeah, that was pretty interesting as well. You know, kind of a bit. I would consider it a little highbrow and quite academic. And so for that reason, it probably turns me off a little bit because I like it when people say, well, I was thinking about this and thinking about that. And and I wondered what would happen if, and so then I made it and this is what happened. But Deconstruct is all of of the bit up into the bit where they made it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I mean, just like, I guess it's, I guess it's valuable, that kind of academic thinking, but it always seems a little unfulfilling to me. Yeah. So what about before that? I've done some training, and I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, of course. I I was on your training course. Oh yeah, you were there, weren't you? How? how yeah, was I was. That? It was excellent. Oh, highly recommended. And yeah, I I had a really good time, and I actually learned a lot about JavaScript and <laughs> that kind of stuff as well, which is very important to me at the moment because I'm going to be kind of teaching some of this web stack stuff starting uh, in about two weeks. Sure. So I've been giving myself a crash course on kind of everything that's happened. Um, yeah to web technology since I lost interest which was about six years ago I think so yeah. the basic stuff is still the same you know JavaScript is still basically the same uh, HTML is pretty much the same CSS is quite a lot different and I think um, there's some new stuff I guess it's yeah. not that different really there's just some new stuff yeah. isn't there I mean the thing is there is there are a lot of developments in kind of with JavaScript and things but they're not really things that I'm going to have time to teach in the kind of yeah. time that I've got which is basically like I've got four hours to cover kind of javascript so um i'm really just going to kind of focus on the you know the basics of javascript like the syntax how you actually write code and then some simple dom stuff with jquery and some simple ajax stuff with jquery because beyond that it's like i really don't have time i mean also these are like first year students who haven't learned object-oriented programming yet so there'd be no point in like showing them mootles or copy script or anything because they wouldn't you know understand yeah i mean if they've never done the programming then yeah just teach them the basics of actual code that'd be fine i mean i think the main main things the main advancements i guess we've covered this before haven't we but it seems to me that the main things are that just javascript is so fast now and um and i guess things like the canvas api and stuff like that make it a bit more fun to play with yeah i guess what one of the big differences is the, the kind of the rise of yeah thick thick client or whatever you would call it, yeah. JavaScript applications, where something like Gmail, where a lot of the hard work is done on the client side rather than, you know, 10 years ago, you might have done it, all, all that stuff with PHP or whatever, mm. and had this kind of multi-page load model where, you know, you hit up one page per email, and each time you read a new email, it's a, a new kind of PHP page loading, Yeah. right? Whereas yeah. now it would, you know, you Ajax it all in, etc. Sure. Although Ajax is a funny one, because from my research, Ajax isn't really, that the X isn't really exist anymore because everyone no. uses JSON now. Right. So the and no one uses XML anymore. So the it's, <laughs> it should be called it like a jam. 
I mean, it wasn't Ajax, it was one of these kind of made-up things that seemed to gain traction. Yeah, but it stands for asynchronous JavaScript and XML. I didn't know that. But Maybe I knew X it once. now is the XML. I remember, so yeah, I think it I'm might sure. have been Jeremy Keefe did a presentation about Ajax at Flash Brighton when it was Flash Brighton like five years ago or something. And I think at the time he was mm-hmm. just like, well, this is what it was originally stood for. But basically now it just means this, i.e. like JavaScript, JavaScript pulling a server and it giving back the information yeah. without a page refresh. You know, that's basically all that Ajax yeah. has come to mean. Yeah, exactly. There's, yeah. It's really interesting, but, though, because it's like, because there's, you know, with all the web stuff now, there's like the old ways and the new ways, and it's like really hard yeah. to know whether bother, to bother even telling people the old ways. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's just <laughs> a lot I mean? of different, I mean, it's kind of the same as, as with, with anything that's got like a long history, um, you know, it's just that there have been so many develop, so many developments and techniques, and everyone has their own techniques, and everyone has their new library, and some people are still using things that were maybe relevant a few years ago, and not maybe so relevant now some things that were yeah. relevant a long time ago are just as relevant now and it, and trying to sort of unpick your way through that <clears> as someone who hasn't got very much experience is really really hard so I mean I, I don't know I thankfully I never really have to make anything that that big in JavaScript so it's yeah. never really that much of an issue but I do kind of think that if your client side code gets so complicated you need masses of framework code and things like that I sort of think maybe your client's a bit thick at that point right? Um, no I I think with things like CoffeeScript and MooTools, etc., you can really start to make proper applications more. So, yeah. I mean, Google uses they use GWT as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of ways to come at it. I mean, the thing that I find really hard about doing web stuff is probably CSS layouts. They seem very unintuitive to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. It's like, for example, you know, you've got you've got like just so you want to have a right-hand column, right? Yeah. Where which floats right? Yeah. You have to like set some stuff in the you have to set like the right margin of the left hand column or something so that it stays out of the way properly and things like that yeah and there's so many things that like that where it's just non completely non-intuitive for a flash person who's just used to putting stuff well where you want it you save things where you want it yeah exactly <laughs> and if you want something that i mean i guess the difference is that you can have you have like in in with html and css you have like no code resizing so yeah. you just set your markup right and then it will handle like all the all the resizing stuff and all the you know like uh what they call fluid layouts and stuff right whereas yeah, they, i think with, they call it if you were writing now. that Right, okay. But if you're writing that in, in in like Flash, you would have to write a load of code that's like on resize, position this thing here, this thing here. Which to me yeah. is a lot more natural, but I guess it does add in a layer of code stuff that isn't supposed to be there when you're on the web. Okay, yeah. it's it's. I cool. mean, why do you think I always get Val to help with all our website design? <laughs> because, I mean, I've mm. wrangled CSS a lot in the past, but I just really don't have the time or the patience or the yeah. experience to, to really do it well. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Me neither. So I'm gonna be I'll be interested to see I'll be interested to see what questions I get from my students. There'll have to be a lot of like, I'll get back to you with that answer <laughs> type stuff, I'm sure. Sure. But um, that wasn't what your course was about, really, though, was it? Your course was just to be had fun with the, uh, yeah. mostly with the canvas tag and. Yeah, and um, 
you know, although like when I put it together, I kind of thought, you know, this course really has no purpose, but I hope people have fun. <laughs> and although I guess it still doesn't really have a lot of purpose, but I've found lots of people who are saying that it's kind of changed their attitude towards coding a little bit, I guess, if they've been used to doing quite um, sort of dry apps to sort of experience a different method of coding in that more sort of iterative experimental way, apparently yeah. sort of helped their coding overall, which is really nice, isn't it? Unexpected. Mm, yeah but i'm glad you enjoyed it i'm really enjoying doing it i'm putting together a couple of new ones I'm doing a games one in a few weeks which i need to put together still and uh, I'll, I'll do a 3d cool. one next year but yesterday at update oh, i cool. did a presentation about corona yes which is something we've meant to talk about on the show for ages yeah well i've never really had a chance to or a reason to play with it until now <laughs> um but sure. yeah it was really good fun i just um did a little live coding demo and i think i had like 30 minutes or so and I just kind of put together a basic physics game like Angry Birds kind of thing with a pile of rocks and a a kind of missile that you fire at them you know and I guess it's kind of like um, it's something it's just the the sort of um, programming environment where you can do something like that very easily so it's really good fun and everyone seemed to like it so that's good cool so I mean would you recommend Corona or not yeah I I really would recommend it it's um, it's designed for moving bitmaps around right so if all you want to do is move bitmaps around like or, or with like sprite sheet animations or there's some sort of vector stuff but it's really limited but if you're just moving stuff around then it works great you know it's got physics built in it uses box 2d and it's really 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 easy to implement it so you know if you're just making a simple game then i'd totally recommend it i think it would probably you know like all like all platforms that are simple and accessible there'll probably be a point where you might get frustrated at its limitations right you know which i'm not entirely sure what they are yet but i think that you might come across across some sort of um, native device functionality that they might not support you know I guess it's a bit like the flash packager in that way although they do seem to have implemented the kind of APIs that game developers would really want and need like the in-app purchases and they've got like an advertising network thing set up and I don't I just had a lot of fun with it though so I I would definitely if I had an idea for a little game and I wanted to make it I would definitely make it in Corona and then probably if I found yeah. that it was what, what would be really nice is if you could do something like you can do with unity which is you can like with unity you can wrap a project in an xcode project and add more sort of native functionality to it right so you can sort of put um an ios app wrapper around your unity game which you can't do with corona at all you just it just makes a an app that you can put on your phone and publish so i don't know i think that would be nice if you do a bit more of that but and i've just taken a very cursory glance at it and chucked this game together but i had a real lot of fun really fun it's just like so easy but that's all on my blog if you want to play with the source code oh is it oh cool yeah i mean the thing that i find strange about corona is i mean it does look great is uh the thing that i find odd about it though is uh, the lua stuff yeah we should probably explain a bit about how it works so um yeah what you do is you download the corona sdk and essentially the corona sdk is only really a simulator that you run and then you can open a folder of files and it looks for your main.lua file so it uses lua which is a script 
scripting language. It's very similar to BASIC. It's being used in a, quite a few game engines now, right? I think it's used in Unreal, isn't it? Unreal uses Unreal Script, which is okay. more, more, a bit more C-like. But I mean, there are probably Unreal games that have a like a Lua kind of scripting layer. Yeah, does World of Warcraft use it as well, I think? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I think a lot of those game engines use it. So, I mean, it's just really, really simple to use. So you can edit your main.lua file, and then whenever you save it, the simulator will kind of reload it automatically. So it's really, really easy to just iterate through stuff. Um, yeah, and then when it comes to publishing it, you just, in, within the simulator, you just say build, and it makes an app, which if you've got a, an, an Apple developer license, you can put on your phone. And then if you've got a full Corona license, you can then distribute that app in the app store. So yep. yeah, it's just it's just really fun and easy to use. Does it have like a camera or anything like that? Or yeah, I think there is a, a camera API. No, I was going to say like, how would you like how would you scroll a level around or something like that? Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean there is it's it's pretty basic, right? So you can make display objects and put them in the in the display and move them around, and then you can make a group of display objects. So how I did it in the right. Angry Birds game is that I put all of my assets into a container and then you move the container right. around so it's kind of like right. a display hierarchy in that way yeah you can just make a group of stuff you can do kind of flash style nesting of different objects inside each other right yeah i don't think you can add objects directly inside each other but you can make groups of objects and i you assume make a group, that you can right. put groups inside a group i haven't done it but i assume that you can sure i mean a lot of it is sort of thinking down to its level you know <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> it's like if you if you've never done any program before you programming before you just turn up and go oh my god this is so much fun and really have fun but if you're a mm programmer you come to it and be like oh my god this sucks i don't know how to make an object <laughs> you know? yeah so, that's the problem um, isn't it with these kinds of things it's like things that make the easy stuff easier or things that yeah. make things easier sometimes if you're an experienced developer they have the opposite effect yeah which is a bit like that stencil thing we talked about a few weeks ago um which is kind of like kind of no no coding uh, way of making flash games. Yeah. It's like you actually want to write some code when you're a developer because you know, if you know how, you don't want that like layer stopping you sometimes. You just want to get right into it. And sure. it's the same thing with, you know, if things are too... I mean, I guess that's not the issue. The issue is really if you, if you think in... And this is the problem I had on your course as well. It's like if you think in terms of objects and inheritance, to go over to a language like JavaScript or Lua that doesn't really have those things yeah. is quite confusing. You have to look for ways to simulate that stuff. Yeah, and you can do it in both of those languages, and it's actually not really that hard either, to be honest. I just, when I was playing no. with Corona, though, I just really, really enjoyed just thinking back to how I would have done it before, you know, in a much simpler way. But I think if I would, if I went on to make a slightly more complex game, I would at least have simple objects. But, you know, n I, I would never probably make a huge framework unless, well, I guess you could, in theory, make a huge complex game with Corona, but I probably just wouldn't really... I'd use it just for doing really quick, simple games and chucking them out. I'd almost use it as a prototyping tool as well. It runs really fast yeah. on, on the devices as well because it's all hardware at yeah. so 
Um, yeah, that's what's good about it, really. I mean, there isn't there isn't really a kind of competing product for it either, is there? I don't I don't know. I, I haven't really seen one. There's. So I mean, you can right. you can write native. If you're on Android, you can write native Android stuff with OpenGL. Or on iPhone, you can write. There's Coco's 2D, isn't there? And yeah. Uh, then Unity, which you can kind of make be 2D, but it's not very nice. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in terms of it just being a really quick 2D toolkit. For iOS and Android, it's you know it does the job really well. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if um, if Stage Three D Flash stuff ever makes it to the iPhone. I think that would be a, uh, a really interesting development. Yeah. What you mean the hardware accelerated stuff? Yeah, because at the moment it's not kind of doesn't really run fast enough to do. You can do very simple games, but they're a bit too simple, really. Yeah. So. Yeah, but you, I mean they, that's the whole point of them making the the stage three D stuff, isn't it? Well, I mean they've yeah they say that they like made it mobile first so that they know that it works on yeah. on mobile and they never have to backport it or whatever. So that's cool. But I mean it's still going to be a lot of time before they make sure it works properly on iOS and um, actually release the thing right yeah i'm you know i'm not holding my breath but let's wait and see um speaking of unity the the kind of first demo came out of publishing from unity to flash yeah that looked amazing didn't it did you see that the other day yeah it looked absolutely amazing like just unreal just so good it just it just made me think if i was working on another stage 3d engine for flash i'd probably give up (laughs) yeah (laughs) at that point i'd just be like yeah Okay, I'm done. What's the point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. What's the point? Absolutely. They've got the they've got the tool. You know, they've got the editor with it's the, the Unity workflow, like, isn't it? IDE. It's it's getting the models in there and the physics, and that's what they've got. Yeah, they've got getting the models in. They've got. I mean, there's another one which is um, getting a lot of press and recommendations, which is I forget the name of it though. Sorry, it's a like an action script based framework, stage yeah. 3D. It's, it's um, not Alternativa, is it? Not Alternativa, Alternativa no. But it's not it's it's not a free one either. It's a paid one. Is it called? It's oh, not Flare, it is it? Yeah, maybe. It's Flare 3D or is that a JavaScript one? Oh no, it's it's yeah. Flare 3D is an action script one. I haven't, I haven't tried it. Um, is that the one you're see. thinking of? Yeah, I've not tried it either. But it's got like its own importer for models. It's got. Let's just make sure that it is this one. Is this it? It's got like a cool demo with some cars. Yeah. What's the point though? I guess the difference is that that this is this is action script based for one thing. So if you're an action if you're a flash you know if you're used to more used to flash basically this is going to be seem a lot more native to you because you're just writing action script code doesn't matter if you do action script yeah but you still, still you easy. still have to learn a new programming language to do it i know that that is trivial really it's the same but i mean for some it's people the same. <laughs> some people should just get over it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, but it's not just that. It's like the other thing with using Unity is you also have to get used to the Unity programming model of having, like, you know, your game objects and your behaviors and, you know, that model, which is, you know, yeah, that kind of... Composition-based model. Whereas, if you write, if you yeah. use Flare 3D or similar, you can use your normal kind of inheritance-based model that most Flash developers are used to. Sorry, you you also might find that your file size is a lot smaller because you've actually got a lot less. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see what the what the what the Unity package's size size is. On the demo of Unity, they had cropped out <laughs> the they had like the file window was like poking out of, oh, off yeah. the edge of the screen, so you couldn't read like the size of the swift so <laughs> yeah it could be that it's That's insanely huge right it? because they've got to compile yeah like all of the physics engine and all their light all their shaders and stuff down to action sure. script so but, but 
but I mean, when you're making stuff of that sort of quality, then it's going to be the assets, the models, and the and the textures that are going to be huge file sizes. And I'd be well, very surprised. As well, yeah. I mean, even like even a worst case scenario of the Unity software like being compiled to like a few megs is still probably going to be nothing compared to your assets, is it? No. Well, yeah. I mean, depending on what type of game you're making, but yeah. Perhaps we can find out. Yeah. It's it's interesting that it's all this 3D stuff as well because it's like mo- most kind of independent developers, you know, indie games developers are, are not 3D people and they're not tooled up for 3D at yeah. all. Like, you know, can't do 3D art. Yeah. <laughs> Don't really understand 3D programming. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that there is this huge push to 3D because there isn't really the base of people to really support support it. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's such Or a... necessarily even the demand. Like, if you look at Unity 3D, like, so much work in the Unity 3D world goes into, you know, so many of the tutorials and things are to do with how, how to use it to do 2D stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's such a huge difference between working in 2D and 3D. It's like quite yeah. a lot, you know, it's a huge learning curve. So that's why I advocate Unity 3D, really, because it's it makes it an, a smoother ride, you know? It's, um, yeah. if you just have to go headlong into like a 3D API, there's going to be all these terms and stuff that you don't understand, even getting your models in and all of that kind of thing. It's just a huge undertaking. So I don't know, I, I would just, I wouldn't really want to do it in anything else apart from unity to be honest and i've done it all the low level way you know i've i've, I've yeah i've yeah, sure. got, got over that 2d to 3d hump <laughs> yeah i tend to agree with you i think yeah but I, I wanted to talk about my new project that i'm i've got a demo next week did i mention it yep. before with the phones not in detail i don't think yeah so this is what i've been working on for the last three or four months since i was in america it's really it's been a huge project and i just had this idea that i could link up all the phones in the audience um into one big display where each phone is a single pixel did i mention that one? Oh, is that what you're doing yeah oh do you know what i i thought it was going to be the other way around yeah i was imagining like uh something where you're using your phone to control the things on the big screen yeah but it's not it's I mean, using yeah I mean there's the opportunity because I'm setting up that whole connection there is the opportunity to do stuff that comes back from the phones as well um, but you know the initial idea was just to figure out whether that was even possible to synchronize all the phones in the room in that way yeah you know so it's just been a huge huge complicated project like the first thing I had to figure out was where the phones are <laughs> yeah how do you figure that out well um well basically I was inspired by the jump junkyard jumbotron where the phones identify themselves and you point a camera at the phones with junkyard jumbotron it shows like a qr code type thing and the and the phone the camera sort of figures out where that code is and then it knows where each screen is but for me because i want it to work with like 400 or more phones i'm only going to see the phones in my camera as a little pixel or two little pixel yeah so i've developed this system where they kind of flash their id on and off and my camera camera picks right. them out of the image and decodes the flashing code oh really yeah so so my server gives it a number an id and then it flashes it yeah and my camera i'm using open frameworks i made an open frameworks app that that finds all the flashing phones and reads the signal that it's pulsing out in black and white and converts it right. back to an id cool that's pretty insane i see so so it's kind of doing like a certain rhythm or something yeah it's um it's actually broadcasting it in binary except it's 
Um, except binary's got a bit of a problem in that there could be like five zeros all in a row, at which point you just get a load of blackness, right? You just get the darkness. Yeah. So I instead found this thing called uh, Manchester encoding, which means that right. um, every bit is turned to two bits. So a zero would be turned to a zero and a one, and a one would be turned into a one and a zero. So then right, it's always flashing, right? So you all you see is like long and short pulses, and a long pulse would be two of that number, and a short pulse would be one of that number, you know? So yeah. that's kind of... Anyway, I don't want to give away... How do you know if you're... Yeah, sorry, is this part of your... This is, is going to be part of your actual talk? Yeah, but I mean, the main scary thing right now is that um, I also set up some stuff to synchronize it all as well, which was based on Joe maker's uh, clock code you know his um, yeah. action script book if you've got that book multiplayer one. yeah I've got it I have not had a chance to read all the way through yeah it yet, so but, yeah. he just has this system where you sync the clocks between the client and the and the server and so now I've managed to get it in full synchronization and I put a little post on my Google Plus page about that actually showing the first demo did you see it yeah it's cool yeah. yeah you had little like lights whizzing across the different screens yeah but right now my biggest fear is the Wi-Fi network because I've been to the yeah. dome like the last four days in a row and although the dome staff so it's at the dome it's an, a venue in Brighton and um, the, I've been t talking to their technical staff and they're like yeah we've got this amazing infrastructure it'll be fine and yet every time I try and connect I get refused and so at my update talk yesterday I did a little mini tester. I basically just had everyone connect to my server. So the server app is part of the Open Frameworks app. So the server right. is my computer and all the phones just have to go to a web page, which is on my server. And the connection is done through sockets, web sockets. Um, and JavaScript. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did a little test yesterday just to see if everyone in the audience could connect and no one could get on the Wi-Fi. And so I've got to figure out what the hell to do about that really or whether, uh, no. you know, Wi-Fi is something I know very little about except that everyone I've spoken to is just says that it gets really complicated when it's really large. Yeah. So I don't know, I might... Would you not be safer using like the web? Um, well, no, because the problem was connecting to the Wi-Fi at, at all. Yeah, but then people would have a mix of 3g and yeah i, I was right? gonna um i was going to i mean eventually this should work I, I could um open a port on my computer or on the router so that you can access my server from anywhere but i just wanted to keep it simple at first and you know because making it work over 3g i've got i mean that's a whole other ball game really <laughs> of latency issues and connections in, in terms of the latency yeah so i i, yeah. I don't know i i'm just trying to keep it simple but i mean it might be that i have to actually bring my own routers and i'm talking to like a, a wi-fi expert in brighton who might help me so i don't know don't don't different wi-fi things interfere with each other though as well yeah that's right you have to put them all on different channels and i don't know it's a horrible horrible thing that ah that sounds really I know, scary I know. and, really and, I, scary and i've just got to test it um and you can't test it, right? Because you'd never have like four hundred people handy, do you? So no. Just test your little thing. Just so. Anyway. So what's your what's your backup plan if it all goes wrong? Well, I'm I'm gonna do it with a few people to start with and just show it working. But I've got loads of games planned as well so it can be little things right. that people play uh, along with and see the results on the screen and yeah it should just be a lot of fun hopefully and i'll just cool. probably start with a few people <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. maybe have 10 people yeah. play it first and then slowly scale it up 
Yeah, and that's a Flash on the Beach next week, right? Yeah, that's next Tuesday. Uh, well, Flash on the Beach is Sunday to Wednesday, isn't it? So, um, yeah. So yeah, that's going to be fun. You're you're coming, aren't you? I'm coming to Flash on the Beach. Yeah, mm. I am looking forward to it. There's some good, good talks this year. I'm going to check out lots of the kind of webby stuff, I think, uh-huh. and the user experience stuff and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because again, there was like Remy Sharp speaking and Sarah Parmenter and Elliot J. Stocks. You know. People yeah, from outside the Flash world. Yeah, they're all good. So it'd be fun. So I guess we're kind of out of time today because we're doing a, a short one. So much coming up. We've all been busy all summer, but I've got a crazy couple of weeks where I'm like finishing this kind of final bit of client work off, which is almost done. And then Flash on the Beach next week. And then start, I start teaching the week after that. Yeah. Um, teaching like two courses this year. And then, yeah, starting Super Gun Kids. So it's all happening. Great. Yeah. And so I've got, again, you know, there's like the rest of the digital festival. Um, I've got another Creative JS workshop at the end of September in Brighton. A couple of spaces left. Then October, I'm going to Frontiers Conference in Amsterdam. I'm going back to America probably for some more workshops. It just gets worse and worse, so I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Extended Play, the meetup group that I'm involved with um, in Plymouth, we're still going strong. We've got a new venue, which is really big. The conference is in November. I think the conference is like the 5th of November. Really? Um, which I'm not really involved with, but that's cool. That's going to be at the National Marine Aquarium Okay. Uh, in, in Plymouth. So that's like a super cool venue. Yeah, I'm just putting that in my diary. Um, it's right before I go to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. And I think there's... There's a game jam there and there's a, a kind of lead up game jam as well where you can just get a head start basically and, and cheat. One in Bristol and one in Plymouth and I think that's like at the end of... Yeah, so that's the 1st of October. So if you're in Bristol or Plymouth, you can go to that and start building your game. Oh, cool. Cool. And we got prizes and stuff, I think, so it's cool. Uh, and actually there's the bar camp Brighton next week right before Flash on the Beach next Saturday and Sunday so I don't know if, if you've been to a bar camp um, I went to game camp which was kind of a bar camp I guess yeah I guess bar camp is just a bit more random it's quite a nice way to fight I mean there's, it's an unconference so everyone speaks about anything of course there's usually a bit of a technical bent but um, so it's nice to find out about technologies that you're not necessarily involved in day to day but there's also just random talks about other generally interesting Interesting things. So yeah, and there's, they're all over the country, all over the world, aren't they? But the Brighton one's fun. So come along. I think there might still be. A, well, it might be sold out actually. But if you're coming down for Flash on the Beach, maybe come down a day early or two and check it out. It should be fun. And uh, oh, we might be doing a live podcast oh yeah i don't really know anything about this yeah so, so i've just been dealing with influxes and apparently we've got a, an hour-long session earmarked in their live lounge do you know when it is i, I don't yeah i'll i'll find out don't worry um <laughs> so it could be that we're going to be doing like an, an hour-long live podcast next week from flash on the beach and i expect we'll probably try and get some cool speak uh presenters to come and, and be interviewed with us so that should be fun yeah i hope that comes off because that will be really fun i think i'm gonna I'm going to try and grab some interviews anyway at Flash on the Beach with my little iPhone recorder. Yeah, you should definitely do that. We should both do that, really, shouldn't we? You've got you've got an interview queued up as well, haven't you? I've got two, actually. Episode. I've got oh, really? um, Josh Hirsch from Big Spaceship. A little, that's a tiny little interview, probably 20 minutes long. Um, but then I've got a longer interview with Aras from uh, Unity 3D that's really interesting. And the only issue with that being... Um, uploaded is that i haven't had a chance to even listen to it or edit it or anything yet so um but i promise it's going to come at some point let me just get past flash on the beach in this crazy project first <laughs> cool 
Great. Well, thanks. We're going to end this one now. Yeah. And uh, we will be back with you very shortly. Yes, keep an eye on the Twitters and we'll let you know if there's a live podcast. Cool. Bye. Bye.